uh, welcome to the session. Uh, we've got a pretty uh, A-list session with, uh, with the BBC commissioners and with Alice Webb, who's going to join us uh, on stage. Alice, who's been at the BBC for, for a decade, was formerly the COO of BBC England, uh, where responsibilities included orchestrating the move of key BBC departments, including children's, to Salford. Uh, and since March, so relatively recently, Alice has been director of BBC Children's with overall responsibility for two of the or the two biggest kids networks in the country, CBeebies and CBBC. So it's a great time, a few months in, I think, to hear you know, her vision, opportunities, challenges, and then uh, we can have some questions afterwards. So I think I need to welcome Alice up to the stage. Thank you. Well, that's my first challenge. I've got up here with these shoes on. So, great. Well, look, I'm delighted to be here speaking at this wonderful conference. I want to spend a few minutes talking to you a little bit about how I see children's media and where we in the BBC plan to be taking it. Before I do that, I thought it's worth saying a few words about me, just following on from what Stuart said. As you know, I'm new. I have the huge honour of being the director of BBC Children's. Uh, quite frankly, the best job in TV, but as far for me, the best job in the world. Um, and the thing about this job as well, it's not just a BBC job. I'm a champion for the whole industry, not just for the people who work inside the BBC. It's a job for all of you too. I'm only four months in, so be gentle with me. Um, I spent much of those four months listening, learning about what's going on. That may be only a short period of time, but it's been long enough for me to see and to be, quite frankly, in awe of the commitment, the creativity, the passion, the aspiration, the vocation that exists within the children's industry that I see here before me this morning, and also to be excited by the possibilities that are there for us to take. As Stuart said, I've come from another part of the BBC. I was the chief operating officer across England and I'm no stranger to doing big things within the BBC, sometimes an organisation that finds it difficult to do things and do things quickly. You may know that I'm not a programme maker by trade. Indeed, my first trade was that of a civil engineer. Um, but I've joined an enormously talented creative team, some of whom you'll see on the stage a bit later this morning. I bring a different set of skills to that team. Just like our audience, BBC Children's is on a journey, and that's what I do, which is to lead talented people inside and outside the organisation on a new journey. I like to think of it as the right leader for the right time. That's because the whole of the BBC, and BBC Children's included, is at an important junction. That junction is charter renewal. You can't fail to have noticed it. It comes around every 10 years. It's where we renew our marriage vows, Effectively, we make our promises to the government about what we're going to do for the audience, for the creative industry, and for UK PLC. It's a big deal. It really is. It marks the end of one chapter of the organisation and the beginning of a new one. I don't know about you guys, but 10 years ago, I was up to my eyeballs in nappies, juggling two young babies, wondering if I would ever string a sentence together again. 10 years ago, we'd not heard about the iPhone. We'd not heard of the iPlayer. And just to give you a real sense of how fundamental the change will be for the BBC, 10 years ago, our last charter, well, it mentioned TV programmes uh, a whopping 187 times. It mentioned television 79 times. It was really forward thinking. It mentioned the internet once. Uh, it mentioned computers zero times. And as for mobiles, as you can imagine, that didn't feature either. So really, 
it is going to be different this time round. We are in the grip of an exciting digital revolution that we've been talking about for the last uh, day and a bit and we'll continue to talk about for the uh, rest of this conference, I'm sure. It's fundamental, it's fast moving, and at the heart of our audience more than any other. So today I want to focus a little bit on the future, on the change that we're all going to go through, not just the BBC, all of us, to embrace all things digital, to basically keep up with the kids. Now, it's worth me taking one moment, because when we get gatherings like this, and particularly when you get somebody like me on the stage talking about the future, we can all get overexcited about how quickly that's going to come. I like to kind of just remind myself of that phrase that Bill Gates used, which is, it's really easy, and we usually do, overestimate the amount of change that's going to happen in the next two years, but we fundamentally underestimate the amount of change that's going to happen in the next 10 years. I think that's the kind of context with which we are talking about uh, at CMC and I certainly talking about. Before I talk about how I see BBC Children's moving forward in the future, I wanted to just make a statement about some of the things that aren't going to change about the BBC and children. I think that's just as important. So first off, children are massively important to the BBC. We have a hugely long and proud history with our making children's content right from the early days of the BBC over 90 years ago. We are a central part of the BBC's discussions, plans, conversations around charter renewal. I can absolutely assure you of that. Much of my time over the last four months has been taken up with that. Children are a core part of the BBC's DNA. They always have been and they always will be. The other thing that isn't going to change is our commitment to astonishing UK public service content. We're here to inform, educate, entertain, and I like to say inspire roughly 10 million kids across the UK with high quality U-rated brain food. We offer children and their parents the very best multi-genre originated TV, radio, websites, games and apps. You heard me say yesterday we reach 44% of all children across the UK every single week and that's just with our TV channels. Our content is rooted in, I'm proud, you know, that our content is rooted in real lives of British families and the communities they live in, reflecting, I think, very importantly, back to children all their lives and their diverse and technicolour glory. And that amounts to a whopping 8,000, in fact, almost 8,500 hours of content every year, much of which is UK-originated. That is not going to change our commitment to public service content. But what does that look like in practice? Because I also think it's easy for us to look to the future, but we should use moments like CMC to celebrate a minute what that all looks like in practice. And what that looks like, well, only on the BBC will you see astrophysics for preschoolers with stargazing. Only on the BBC will you see groundbreaking shows like the My Life documentary I Am Leo, the first kids' TV programme to tackle transgender issues. Only on the BBC will you see the extraordinary magic of the clangers, that quality, craft, and of course the legend that is Michael Palin. And you saw him earlier, Alex. Only on the BBC will you see 12-year-old Alex win his competition, work with Ardman, and make his app a reality. And only on the BBC will you see live-action family shows made specifically for kids, like Sam and Mark's Friday Wind-Up and Swashbuckle. Let's have a look at what this all looks like in practice. Of course, I couldn't be here with a quick VT to show you. It's time to invite everyone back to just...
Justin's house. It's Kitty Morag. It was like really, really confusing because I always thought, you know, I'm a boy, but everyone was like, look, you're a girl. Hello, hello, hello. My name's James. Project Petra, a nationwide search to find CBBC intelligence officers. The CBBC official chart show. Let's do this. Okay, so today we are recreating Ed Sheeran's music video for Thinking Out Loud. See all the jokes in the screen? Yes. I think we should get rid of them. Oh. Bugster, what's the coolest fruit? An apple, Mac. Topsy and Tim. Let's join Nina and the new one. Hi, Nina. Hi, guys. Three, two, one. I've got the green frog. Give me a ribbit. You're a helicopter. I'm looking up at the dark night sky and remembering a time when it went dark in the day. If you could pick one politician apart from yourself to win, who would it be and why? Obviously, if I thought someone else should uh, win the election, I wouldn't be standing myself. So I think I can't really answer the question about who else I'd... I'd like to um, win. Great question. Top question. It's the best one I've been asked all election campaign. I hope you all feel justly proud of that, not just because we managed to get a 10-year-old to get the better of David Cameron, but actually, we don't do this stuff by ourselves. It's thanks to the creativity, the passion, the inventiveness, the innovation, the tenacity of the whole industry that we can put together showreels like that. That's our partners, independent producers, BBC in-house production teams, our on-screen talent, basically everybody in this room. That showreel is as much yours as it is ours. So we're committed to our UK public service content, we're also committed to the full range of genre that we cover for children. We cover news, sport, factual entertainment, drama, comedy, and of course, live action. And that is on both channels, and that is our commitment, and we will com be continuing that commitment. And the other thing that I find fantastically reassuring when we think about the things that aren't changing in our changing world is that kids still want to be kids. That's not changing. Four out of five kids still want to read books in their own time. My favourite stat is four out of five kids, when given the choice, will still spend their pocket money on sweets, which I think is deeply reassuring. And four out of five kids still want to play sport outside. So that's what we stand for, and that's what's not going to change about the BBC and BBC Children's. We're just going to keep on doing what we've always done, but we've also always moved forward, and we're going to carry on doing that too, because we are, as we know, entering a period of fundamental change driven by this digital revolution. That's why some of you may know that since April, we at the BBC have been working on our big digital plan for children. We've been looking at 
big questions, of course. It's a big plan that deserves some big questions of the like of what do kids want from their media and why? And how do we best serve the needs of kids who are just born digital? I think two things are happening across our industry because of the digital revolution. The first is technology. You see it with the devices, the tablets, the apps, all the myriad of ways that children can consume our content. And of course, the technology is also revolutionizing the way we can make and distribute content, which is all great. The other thing that digital is giving is an explosion of content there for kids to choose from. Over 30 dedicated channels for children, far more than in any other genre. These two factors together mean that consumption is changing. We know that. An astonishing fact that on average primary school kids spend five and a half hours a day, five and a half hours a day consuming media. And that goes up to a whopping nine and a half hours when you look at secondary school kids. Considering they've still got to go to school as well, that's a pretty impressive full-time job. Um, we know that 25% of our children come to CBBC via the iPlayer on catch-up. 50% of kids are using mobile phones. And of course, that possibly often unspoken stat, that 50% of children are using social media as well. What does this tell us? Well, it tells us that kids love choice. They're inherently social. We know that they're deeply creative and they want control. And what does this mean for BBC Children's, for the BBC? Well, it means that what we offer needs to be sophisticated and diverse in a digital world. Now, next question is clearly, what does that really mean in practice? Well, that's a million dollar question. We don't have all the answers. We're working that out. We're keen to talk to lots of you about what that does mean. But I can give you some headlines about where we do think that we're going. First of all, not surprisingly, we're going to be more digital. We just are. But not digital for its own sake, but to for the advantage of our audience. We'll be increasingly internet first. You've heard Tony Hall talk about that for the rest of the BBC, and BBC Children's will be no exception. We'll still carry on doing all the types of content we've done before, long form, short form, games, apps, web content. Every commission and every project will be different. But digital gives us the ability to do things that we haven't been able to do so far. We will be looking at what we can do to personalize our content for children using My BBC. We will be looking, seeking to expand and create an ever larger safe online space for children. I want us to not just be the place that children and parents and carers come for for trusted content, but for trust to be their trusted guide online, to have trusted, safe online spaces, which are big enough, interesting enough, interactive enough that children want to stay there, play there, learn, explore, develop. Digital also gives us the opportunity to think about creating content for that older age group. If you were here for the opening panel yesterday, you will have heard us talk about other providers who've uh, fallen away with their provision for older kids. We will look about what digital gives us the opportunity to do for that age range. And digital gives us the opportunity to really offer the full breadth of the BBC to children. I'd love us to be able to create a single front door that children can come through and they can access everything that the BBC has. Imagine a world where we tag BBC content, all of it, with its age appropriateness. You might be on Bite Size learning about the savannah and lions and then we're able to show you something that the natural history team have put together. Seamlessly, effortlessly tailored to you that grows with you as you get older and develop. And of course, Digital gives us the opportunity to help kids be more creative. But digital creativity, 
and about expanding their skills in that way. We want to do more digital maker kits. You see things that we've already started to do, like our Tacneo Babble Games Maker. At its most simple, you bolt together some components and all of a sudden you've built a game. We want kids to be creative, not just consumers. And of course, all of this together means that we'll be increasing our spend on digital. But one final thing for me to say about digital, of course, our TV channels are already digital. I wouldn't want anybody to sit here today think that all the focus on that means that we're not as focused on our television channels. We are. We're as committed to those channels as we ever have been. And indeed, a phrase that Anna Hume used yesterday, we shall be cherishing the old as well as embracing the new. It's not an either or, it's a both for us. A lot of this isn't new, of course. We've been developing digital services for years. At BBC Children's, we were the first part of the BBC to offer connected multi-platform content across TV and online platforms. But our plans are entirely dependent on charter renewal. It's obvious, we all know it, it's dependent on the licence fee renegotiations. Less money will, like everybody else, mean hard choices for us. We know we need to continue to tighten our belts at the BBC. I'm sure you will have seen the announcements yesterday about job losses to deliver more savings. We in BBC Children's, just something that I was particularly proud to see, is we spend today 94 pence of every pound on content for children. By the end of this year, that will have got up to 95 pence per pound. By anybody's standard, that is an impressive record. Any, not just in our industry, in any industry. That's because the license fee has been flat for the last six years, five years, um, and we've had to take out 26% of cuts across the BBC. Today, I know it came up in conversation yesterday, we have the same proportion of the license fee focused on the 0 to 12 audience as we have 20 years ago. But look, if you look behind me now, Look what much more we do with that money from 20 years ago. I think we should all feel proud about that, but not complacent. That's why it's really important that we all get out there now and lobby for the licence fee. The BBC has lots of detractors. You may be one of them. But now is the time for support. Maybe not because you love the BBC, but because you love and value children's broadcasting. As the biggest broadcaster and by far the biggest buyer of UK-originated content for kids, a strong children's industry needs a strong BBC and a strong children's BBC. <coughs> so there's lots up in the air at the moment. It's exciting times, sometimes a little scary, but definitely lots of possibility for us. In the short term, what do I want us to do? Well, I want BBC Children's to be even more connected to children than we already are, to give them a stronger voice in what we do. BBC Children's for kids and by kids, if you like. So over the next couple of months, we will be putting together a panel of children who will come together a couple of times a year to tell us what they really think about what we do for them. They will be reviewers of our shows, bloggers on our websites, they will write our press packs, they will be our children's consciousness, if you like, right at the heart of BBC Children's. And later this year, in November, a child will be running BBC Children's for the day in the National Initiative of Kids Takeover Day uh, in November. But not just BBC Children's, the whole of television at the BBC will also be run by a child. And if we have our way more places across the BBC, children will be infiltrating the rest of the BBC. Um, that's our plan. 
And being connected to our audience more and more means also venturing more firmly into the social media space because that's where our children and our audience already is. Final note from me, when I took this job, a number of people said to me that they would know if the BBC was committed to children by the statements that we make, by what we did externally. Well, here's a big statement, because this is how much we're committed to children, is we will be, we're very proud to be the lead content partner and hosts for the World Summit on Media for Children in 2017 in Manchester. Uh, we'll be looking at the universal themes and needs of children, of empowerment, entertainment, learning, connection and protection. That is a global platform, not just for the BBC, definitely not only for the BBC, but for all of you. This is a platform that the BBC is proud to create for us. We are world leaders in what we do. We should be proud and we should speak to the world about it. And I want us to make that statement together. So in summary, we've got a lot on. Wherever the BBC goes next, children will be at the heart of it. The digital future opens up a world of possibilities, but our core values of high-quality UK public service content covering every genre, that's not changing. We love serving children, but not out of duty, but because we know we're in the enviable position of seeing um, that when we create content that truly inspires children, we can have and help shape positive lives. We're inspired to go further, think harder, think bigger, answer those difficult questions, many of which have been debated over these two days. But with your help, I'm really looking forward to BBC Children's continuing to serve the 10 million kids in the UK with a passion that burns as brightly as ever. And I hope you can see a passion I'm very proud to stand up and talk about. Thank you. Thank you for that, Alice. Um, I mean, there's, there's a very clear message that in, whether it's digital or linear, that the BBC remains fully committed to UK kids production, UK kids content. Now, it's a really interesting time, isn't it, for the producers in this country, particularly the indies, who I guess can avail themselves of new incentives and tax breaks. Mm -hmm. However, far fewer commissioning outlets than, than ever before. What, what's your reading of the indie landscape? Um, well, you have to, you know, four months in. Um, so I think, first of all, as I said in my talk, um, just hugely impressive. I've worked across a number of different industries. Um, I'm not sure that I've ever seen such a uh, impressive quality, inventiveness. I've never seen a bunch of people who say, actually, do you know what, we're just going to find a way to make this work. It's ever harder to put finances together, to get projects um, you know, alive, ideas to screen. Um, but the tenacity of, of the industry and independent producers is absolutely phenomenal. Um, I think that there is um, you know, a desire to move forward. I think often people think exactly what does that mean in practice? How do we move forward? And I think, you know, we as the BBC have a responsibility to help be very clear about where we're going so that can help others know where they want to go to. And, and how, to what extent does the mix of in-house versus independent production fluctuate year on year? Where are we at at the moment? There's, of course, a window 
yeah, the walk, great. the world famous walk. Um, yeah, well, it's it's pretty healthy. Um, to be honest, and I know you know we may go on to talk about about uh, the kind of wider ecology and proposals around BBC Studios, but but the position for for the children's ecology. There are many challenges we know about that ecology, but actually the, the flow of ideas from in-house BBC producers and from independent producers is working very well. The walk, as you say, goes up and down each year. I don't know whether we've announced this. I probably shouldn't do this. I'm looking at, but I will anyway. This coming year, actually, um, independent producers won more in the walk, sorry, last year, than in-house production. I think that we'll formally announce that recently. So it goes up and down, I and I see that as a fairly... Sorry? I think you may have just formally yeah. announced it. Uh, we are meant big, big BBC. Clearly, this is just amongst friends. Um, and then just, just to quickly pick you up on the point there about BBC Studios, which has been, uh, has been mooted. Is there a children's piece there? Because my understanding was that, that was to produce for third parties, where, let's be honest, there aren't many third parties actually buying UK kids content aside no. from you well i think you see from the ofcom report yesterday 97 percent of of um children's content public services bought by the bbc so the conditions that mean it is right for the bbc to explore putting other genre entertainment drama into a commercial position um those conditions don't exist in the children's market and, i mean as you say the, the it's very sobering reading when you look at the amount that the, B, the amount the BBC spends is kind of flat or, or perhaps slightly down, but the, the spend from the other commercial PSBs has largely disappeared. I mean, does, does that weigh on you? You're the you're the only commissioning game in town. Yeah, of course. I, I said that yesterday. You know, my biggest responsibility is actually, you know, taking this job is safeguarding that for the future. I slightly joked, but not really. It sometimes it feels a bit like Atlas holding up the sky. You know, we are. Um, you know, we, we do that because we know it's really important and we safeguard what we can, but I don't want that to be a duty that weighs on us. It's not at all. Look at the showreel. Look at what we do with kids' lives. That's what, you know, we focus on. Yes, we have that responsibility, but we focus on all the positive things because, quite frankly, that's what it's worth doing. And there are, lo there are lots of positives. You know, the showreel showed that. But then... Your role is obviously to make sure children's works as best it can in the circumstances, the cards it's dealt with. But do you think that the other PSBs need, need to step up? Is there a responsibility among your commercial peers to be funding UK-originated content? Would that, in a sense, that would be competition, but would it also make life better for, for you guys? I'd be utterly delighted to see competition. Vast array of competition would be marvellous. I don't think there's any danger of that, unfortunately, anytime soon, but I would love us to see that, however it is done. And I think the other thing that we need to think about is, and as I mentioned again yesterday, which is we've spoken much about how are we going to make the digital element of our of content for children work. How is that going to be funded? How is it going to wash its face financially? It's really important when we answer that question that we also say, how are we going to have funding and space for public service content in the digital space too? Again, if we don't do that, all we're doing is going to be in five years time going, well, there's nothing public service in the digital space for children, is there? That shouldn't just be the BBC. That needs to be other providers too. And you spoke about digital, you addressed digital, and I think that, that if you ask anyone in the room, or in fact it's bigger than that, in terms of linear channels and in terms of 
actual programmes and content, the, the BBC is probably the best in the world in terms of kids. There is a sense that in digital, it doesn't have that position. It's not quite at the leading edge. I mean, do, do you accept that? And is that because you're a PSB? Is it for, for other reasons? Yeah, no, I think, that's, I think that's probably fair. I think that's right. I think, I think there are a number of factors in that. I think, you know, I'm sure that people appreciate that sometimes it is where you've got something that's emerging and new, like digital. Um, you know, we trust is our absolutely fundamental. If we lose trust with our audience, with parents and carers, then that's a very significant issue for us. So sometimes we have to be a little bit careful about going into new places that we don't know about. Um, but that's not an excuse. That's perhaps just a slight reticence. Um, but I, I think you can see from the things I, I've spoken about, absolutely. We're also you know, front leaders in innovation and driving change. And that's exactly what we want to be and we intend to be doing in digital space. And something you addressed specifically um, in, your, in your keynote there was uh, the fact, you didn't name them, but I can, that Channel 4 has effectively pulled out of youth programming, specific programming in favour of wider shows that it says targets 10 to 14s, as well as a broader audience. I think on the pay, uh, pay channel session yesterday, it was highlighted there's a lack of content specifically for 10 to 14s. Is it your responsibility to help fill that gap, or is there a desire to, to help do that? I think there's definitely a desire. I think we have to be careful about taking on more responsibility. We need to safeguard what we're already doing. There's, you know, and, and as I said, there are no commitments, but I think we w we're looking at that. And I think digital, if digital didn't come along, then I can't see how we might do it. But actually, there is an opportunity. There isn't more money. So it's not like we're just suddenly going to go, hurrah, I wish I was. Um, but I think also we should look at that, and we are. I mean, I think in an uh, in interview you gave last week and, and then uh, during your, your presentation or speech, you said that there's a possibility that you will have to make hard choices. That's, that's just the way the world is. Is there any sense of what, what they might be? Is there a, a scenario in which CBBC went down a kind of BBC3 route and became digital only? Would that be a disaster? Um, it, it's really tough and it's difficult to talk about what the scenarios might be, but, but I'd be lying if I didn't sit here and say, yes, that's a scenario. If, you know, if the licence fee gets slashed massively, then we'll have to make very hard choices. The audience will dictate what choices we make. But just to be really clear, that is not the proposal we are putting forward. The proposal that we're putting forward is for more money for children, not less. Yeah, of course. And I think, you know, don't want to turn it into you know, a negative. We have to acknowledge the you know, many amazing shows that you guys fund and put on your channels and digital services. However, I think we also have to accept that a lot of what you're speaking about is very much underpinned by the next uh, licence fee deal and, ch and yeah. the charter, isn't it? Yep, it absolutely is. That, that is the reality of how we're funded. That's why, you know, as I said, it's very un-British of us to go out and actually say, right now, we need support, and we really, really do, you know. And as I say, I know, I, I kind of liken us a bit like a family. <clears throat> There'll be things that you find difficult about us, there's things that you would do differently, but actually come and tell us that, and then actually let's all stand together and lobby because, as I said, as the largest broadcaster and the largest buyer by far, strong BBC is what this industry you know, will benefit from. And, and what you do in kids is, is really one of the jewels in the crown for the BBC. It's something that should be, people should get up and shout about, I think. 
do you get a sense from your discussions with you know the very highest levels of uh, BBC management that this that children's will be a key talking point through the the renewal arguments debates and so forth absolutely 100 percent yeah uh, I've been you know uh, I uh, if I had any doubts, which I've probably had very little since I've got this job, absolutely, I'm hugely reassured it will be. And then going back to uh, something you mentioned on your slide, maybe a last question before we introduce the, uh, the, the controllers, is um, PSB funding is down across the board, across the channels. That's, you know, that's a quantifiable fact. And yet within kids it's actually down by an even greater proportion. As you pointed out, you know, kids connect with the BBC at a huge number, a huge percentage, week on week. Is there, is there an argument that, in fact, whatever the licence fee settlement, irrespective of the number, that children should command a greater share? Um, of course there's an argument for that. And, and, you know, I'd be foolish if I didn't sit here and say... I wouldn't want more money for children. Of course I would. There are millions of projects that we'd like to do that we, we can't do. But I think we also have to think about all the other audiences that want things from the BBC, that deserve things, that you know contribute um, uh, their licence fee, that want things from the uh, BBC too. So I think that we work really well with the money we've got. Um, if lots of people want to lobby for us to have more money to then be able to spend out in the industry as well, I'd be delighted about that. But I think we don't do a bad job with what we've already got. Good stuff. Um, Alice, you're going to remain on the panel, aren't you? And then if I can welcome to the stage Kay, Cheryl and Sinead. No call and response. Yeah. Hello. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Hello, Sheffield. Yeah. Um, um, so just in terms of format, what we're going to do is we are going to... I'll, I'll introduce the panellists. I probably don't need it for the people in the room. Um, and in turn, uh, everyone's just going to have five minutes to talk about stuff that's really worked for them recently. And then we're going to get into some of the, you know, the specifics, really commissioning needs and such like. Um, so, I think, in order-wise, Cheryl Taylor, you're up first. Now, just by way of introduction, as I say, not really needed, I don't think, but uh, Cheryl was appointed controller of CBBC uh, in September 2012. And coming from a comedy commissioning background, uh, and, and oversees the channel, everything it does, and I think the best thing I can do is hand over to Cheryl to talk about what's going on there. Thanks, Stuart. Um, hi, everyone. Um, as Stuart says, my name's Cheryl. I'm the very lucky controller of CBBC, um, which is the channel for the 6 to 12s. Um, and as Alice has been talking about, we make very high-quality public service content for that quite tricky and broad age range. Um, We've got a lot to talk about today, and, and the focus is on change. Um, and as I've got to segue neatly into Kay with an interactive showreel at the end of my bit, I'm just going to talk a little bit about TV. Um, so I'm not, I don't want you to think I'm forgetting digital interactive. I've just got to put it at, at, at the end of what I want to talk about. Um, so obviously, for, 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 for the 6 to 12... 
Oh, is it? I'm sorry. Hello. Can you hear me? Um, we make a, a, an enormously broad range of content for the 6 to 12s. So obviously for the indie community, it's a fantastic opportunity because across the board, drama, comedy, entertainment, factual entertainment, news, um, we do the whole shebang. So there's plenty of opportunities. And again, as Alice pointed out, 80% uh, of what we make is UK originated content and 43% of that is made by indies. So plenty of opportunity for you to submit to the channel. Um, and I wanted to just talk a little bit about our ethos, in particular, our public service content, because obviously that's what makes us unique. And this year, in terms of the shows, I think that have really encapsulated brilliantly public service content, which as I say, it's a slightly stealth learning, we call it, isn't a turn-off for our audience. We manage to always laugh along the way, but make brilliant content that reflects our audience's lives back to them and um, includes them and gives them lots of opportunities to participate. So I just wanted to mention a couple of things. Um, for smaller indies, you know about our My Life strand, and we're boosting that this year to, to sort of 15. I won't say too much about specific opportunities because I know Stuart's got questions. But this year, two in particular, which I'd urge you to watch, were um, Mr. Alzheimer's and me, which took um, three children who were living with relatives who had Alzheimer's and followed their journey, which was in incredibly moving um, and enlightening for them. Um, Alice also mentioned I Am Leo about the inspiring journey taken by a 13-year-old transgender child. Um, and as she pointed out, we're probably the only channel, I think, um, possibly in the world, who would have done that show. So, the, so those films are, are incredibly important. Um, alongside News Round specials, um, which we did on healthy eating, friendship, and also racism in the USA, and of course that rather brilliant election moment with David Cameron, we are the only channel who has a dedicated news service for children. One thing I'm really proud of this year, and I know it's come up a lot in this year's CMC, is that we have no less than four live action shows with female protagonists launched this year. Hetty Feather, Eve, So Awkward and The Millie Show. And one thing to point out about all of those is that they're all very different propositions. And in particular, The Millie Show, which is a sitcom, but takes a journey through um, fragmented families. So here's a, an example of uh, an, an amazingly engaging show that's done incredibly well, um, but really highlights and reflects back to what we know is sometimes 40% of the population of children who are living in fragmented families and the difficulties that they face. Um, also really proud, I have to say, this, because Steve's sitting just here, um, that we've launched the CBBC official chart show, which has gone down very well. Um, and tonally, as I say, one of the important things, when you're thinking about developing for us, and as I say, a bit later, we'll be giving you specific um, development opportunities, but really think about participation. You saw lovely Alex at the beginning of this session who, who took advantage of an in, incredible participation opportunity where Dick and Dom... Um, in their absolute genius series, which you know it was a brilliantly good fun, and, and that's a potentially very dry subject matter, but they really engaged kids with digital creativity and the heroes of the digital world, as well as giving them the opportunity to enter this competition. And the idea that a child could design something, win a competition, and now you know straight after this session you can download that game Escalgo from the App Store was just fantastic. And again, I don't think any other broadcaster would give anyone that opportunity. 
Um, it's also worth mentioning that in this digital age, you know, I think to some degree kids are like dual citizens, aren't they? We've got, we've got real life and all of this TV content that I'm talking about, I think, helps them to understand their place in the real world and to, to think about their relationship with friends, with families and at school. And we want to encourage that visceral kind of connection with them. And we have over 50,000 send-ins every month to Blue Peter, to prayers, this is letters, this is applications for the Blue Peter badge. So these are kids really engaging with real life things. At the same time, as being citizens of a digital universe where increasingly they have more things to do and more things to play with. So we want to make sure that the very brilliant TV offering that we have for them is mirrored and equaled and perhaps bettered on the digital side of things. And we have a fantastic new team that have been put together in the last few months. Um, we're delighted that Claire Stocks has joined us as head of interactive. And um, she's here today. You'll be able to speak to her later if you want to, along with Scott Martin and James Bridgman. Scott is going to be looking after all our short form. Again, that will present an opportunity for Indies as well. Um, and James is going to be exploring how we can become more effective and um, engaged with the connected generation. Cheryl, are they so across, across CBBC, CBBs? It's not CBBC yes, specific, is it? They are, both channels. So really great addition to our team. And um, in terms of engaging with kids, promoting digital creativity, we want to do as much as we can to um, encourage that um, self-expression, capture it, and let them share it um, you know, with their peer groups. So you can expect a lot of activity in that area, building on all the things that we've done with um, Play Along, obviously, um, with, our, with our great apps and um, the lovely online site, which has been re-envisioned this year, along with a, a fantastic whiz-bang um, responsive mobile offering. So please do look at those things. And I, often when we talk to, to people who come in and pitch to us, they're not aware of all that fantastic interactive activity. So that leads me on to a lovely reel that Scott's put together of CBB, CBBC and Sinead's learning um, interactive activity and then cable pick up on CBBs. <laughs> show you some of the awesome games that you guys have made and sent in. CBBC is running an exciting competition to design a game that we turned into an app. With new levels released throughout the series, you always have somewhere to run. There are the twirly woos. Goodness, you're here. You can now make your very own book full of your favourite stories. Scroll through the newsfeed every day to see what's new and catch the latest vlogs. This is CBB's radio. Watch the clip and you'll have a chance to question myself and Wes. How do we decide who goes first? No, no, no. No. 
In each episode, four children will be selected to build a case file on one potentially rogue agent. out of their own special language called code. And there's the total eclipse. So what is this solar eclipse then? To be able to use the slice serve, it really takes off on, on the grass course here. Uh, that sets Kay up uh, nicely. Kay Bembo has been controller of CBB since May 2010, uh, commissioning content for, for the CBB's channel across all platforms. Uh, recent shows that have, have really performed well, Katie Morag, Topsin Tim, Furchester Hotel, among others. But uh, let, let me just pass over to Kay and she can uh, give us the full story. Thank you. Um, it's a great reel. I love that, that reel. It's um, terrific. And uh, as we've just said, Claire, Scott and James will be supporting CBBS and CBBC to make sure we deliver the best possible digital content to our audience. Um, on CBBS, we're obviously going to continue our work in this area. Um, I'm really pleased that um, there was a, a good uh, showing for the Storytime app in, in the reel. Uh, it recently won the Broadcast Digital Award for... Um, uh, best children's digital content and I'm really proud of the team they've done a great job um, I think what the judges said was it was a simple and elegant way um, in which it engages both children and supports parents and carers in helping children uh, with reading and encouraging reading um, we've had a really successful year the website's now fully responsive the two apps have been downloaded five million times that's playtime and storytime we've got CBB's iPlayer and the YouTube channel and a real triumph this year. We got CBB's radio on the iPlayer radio dial, which um, I won't go into the whys and wherefores, and it was a bit W1A, but honestly, we, we got there in the end. Um, I'm really, really proud of that, and Johnny and the team do a great job, and um, it really has picked up, and people have been able to find it now, and uh, I'm really, really proud of that. Obviously, we have our connection with the grown-ups on CBB's really, really important because they're the gatekeepers for our audience. And uh, new and exciting development is that uh, CBB's grown-ups is now uh, on Pinterest, which is very exciting. So I think what we all think is that digital is a way of enriching uh, the experience for our audience of all our content. Um, and as we just mentioned, uh, we are going to be looking at short form uh, more, and that's, that's an opportunity to do both bespoke content and obviously support existing brands, but it's, and sometimes for me, um, I think it's a way of starting things small and growing them. Um, sometimes it's quite scary as the controller of CBeebies because the template is generally commission a huge run of something so that you can make the economies of scale work and this might just give me a chance to try something a bit different and a bit bold um, and grow it from uh, small seeds if you like. So I think there are some really interesting opportunities there. Um, but as, as we've all said, you know, I don't think TV viewing is dead, whatever screen the audience watch on. Uh, we've had some really great successes this year. I mean, Topsy and Tim remains our standout, most popular show. We've had the Furchester, um, the lovely Twirly Woos that you saw there. Um, I'm really, really pleased 
uh, with Footy Pups. Those of you who know me know my uh, football passions. And hosted by Rachel Yankee, so you know, picking up on what Cheryl said, you know, a female expert presenter. Yes, she's an Arsenal player, but that was nothing to do with the commission. Um, what, um, what was brilliant was that actually CBeebies was part of that um, BBC Sport coverage. We were part of the FA Cup coverage and the Women's World Cup coverage, and I think that's really, really important. So CBeebies was there, CBBC was there. You know, we were part of the overall BBC story. It just goes to prove what Alice says, children's remains very important to the BBC, and it was a particular thrill for me uh, to, to make... Um, to, to see that show delivered in time to be part of the run-up to the FA Cup. Um, we continue to have brilliant animation. Hey Dougie and um, the Clangers have been sort of almost instant hits. Um, hey Dougie is just brilliantly funny. Um, I was doing some viewing on the train and actually realised I was in the quiet carriage and was laughing out loud and getting some rather um, uh, glacial stares from people. Um, and the Clangers. Um, and I just want to pick up on um, a couple of things on, on the clangers and also the Teletubbies. Um, we, we're not really in the business of bringing things back. We do want to do new things, but the clangers was an exception. I love stop-frame animation and the fact that they were going to do this show with the same love and care and attention, just with the new technology to bring this fantastic show um, to a new generation, I think was really, really important. And it absolutely fits the ethos of CBeebies um, in the sense that they're friendly and caring and loving. And um, yeah, not least, we have the wonderful Michael Palin voicing it. Um, and in terms of the Teletubbies, that was going to be made. And it felt right to me that it stayed uh, on the BBC, its home. And the truth is, we were going to have to stop running the original shows because they were made four by three. Um, they weren't. HD, and so it's felt again that brilliant show that is still relevant to a very young audience uh, should stay with the, with the uh, BBC and specifically CBB. So those are the reasons for bringing those shows just, back. Just to jump in there, Kate, but there are two shows that are kind of reboots or reimaginings mm. of, of older series that have come up. Were they commissioned? It seems that they were commissioned around the same time. Is that the case? It seems that suddenly there were two. Is that indicative no, they of... No, actually. Um, okay. The Clangers actually was uh, brought to me at, right at the end of 2012, so it just shows how long it's taken because it takes a long time to do stop frame. And then Teletubbies um, was discussed probably a year later and then it took me quite a long time to, to really make that decision. It was not taken lightly. Um, it just so happens that they have come out and it, it happens to have coincided with other things and, and it's, it's just the way it's worked. But so not I stand necessarily by a sign of... No, of not at all. You want to mine the, the archives both, to... And I'm sure specific reasons for both Danger Mounds and, and Thunderbirds, which is one of the other ones that gets mentioned. It just so happens they've, they've ended up <laughs> transmitted together. And on the, the digital team that's now in place, what are the, the mechanics in terms of, do, do these, the three people who've come on, Claire and, and uh, I know it's a three strong team, do, I mean, do they have kind of commissioning budget? Do they, are they ordering shows or are they coming to you and the kind of existing commissioning team and what are the, the dynamics of that? I think um, everything goes through Cheryl and myself. Okay. Uh, they are brilliant support. They will engage with uh, people who have ideas, in-house and indie, and they will help Cheryl and I make the right decisions and guide us in the digital landscape because, you know, we're all discovering together. None of us are, you know, real experts, um, although I have to say, you know, they, they, they've got probably... Um, their fingers on the pulse. And, and then and for, for independent producers, for example, this is an, an opportunity, yeah. isn't it? It's not like this work is just being done in-house, no, closed shop. No, not, not at all. Um, these in fact, are people one, of, who one of the short-form um, ideas I've got is from an indie, and that, that'll be one of the first things that we do as a short-form um, 
project. So okay. that's a, hopefully a positive. Um, we will be allocating funds, though. So in yes. a sense, people will know the budget that we're looking at. And as Kay says, essentially so much, I mean, we're always you know, keen to emphasise this, so much goes on in terms of individual yeah. development and creativity, and it's very light touch sometimes, the final commissioning green light. You know what I mean? It's not like Kay and I get embedded in, in, in to the extent that all these brilliant creatives do. So it's, it's just, we, we will have, in a sense, an oversight of everything that's happening on all platforms, but the teams will know what their budget is and what's been allocated and work with indies and in-house. Sinead, can you tell us about uh, about learning? I know you've got a, a brief presentation, sorry, by way of introduction. Uh, Sinead Rocks is the head of BBT Learning, uh, overseeing, devising and delivering the, the BBT's education strategy. Uh, so there are campaigns, Bite Size, I Wonder, and other specialist factual content. So I think Sinead's going to talk us through what's going on there. So over to you, Sinead. Thanks very much, Stuart. I feel like a bit of an interloper, actually, because I'm the one person on the stage who doesn't actually work for BBC Children's, um, but we work very closely together, so thank you for having me. Um, I am head up the department that has had a lot of changes over the past six to nine months. I'd like to share some of them with you very briefly so you know what we're doing. In a nutshell, though, this is what we do. Did the 1966 World Cup mark the birth of modern football? Would we starve without bees? Why do Buddhists meditate? Well, BBC I Wonder is full of great questions for curious people like us. They just keep on coming. Luckily, they have the answers as well. Brilliant videos and, you know, interactive thingies. Before the Romans arrived, there was no written language in Britain. What's that mean? They changed all that by teaching important Britons how to read and write. I'm using Bite Size at the moment for revision for my science GCSE. It has an order of revise, activity and test. The test also allows me to know where I've gone wrong. Hello, my name is Greg James, I'm from Radio 1 and I've spent my whole week at the Radio 1 Academy. It's completely free to come to and it's open to everyone. I'm in the um, VFX workshop um, learning software called HitFilm. You come to these places and they're so welcoming and nice. They kind of just make you feel like you belong here. Now, it's a prototype we called the Microbit and from this autumn, we'll be putting a million of these into schools up and down the country. One for every child in year seven, aged 11 and 12. For one week, pupils from year seven to upper sixth form were given the chance to record their own videos, speaking honestly about their online lives. You've got to tell someone. I know it feels like the end of the world when you do tell someone, but it does help. I'm certain I could improve. I just need somebody to show me the way. I feel like I'm still such a beginner at cooking. This car is out of control.
So that is BBC Learning. You'll see that we have a remit for all audiences, but our activity is essentially split between three key areas. The first is what we call our educational campaigns and our annual themes. These tend to be things that we can really get behind, do a lot of activity. We're doing fewer things per year, so if we start really putting our money against a smaller number of things, what could they look like? Things that tend to try to counter some kind of a cultural or societal deficit. So that's our, our main way of dealing with campaigns. Secondly, you saw Frank Skinner acting entirely naturally on the trail for BBC I Wonder. <laughs> for money. Um, <laughs> I Wonder is our um, digital factual brand for mainstream audiences and essentially it's, it's, it can be quite light touch learning, it can be a bit more heavy duty, but it's about inspiring curiosity in mainstream audiences, that desire to go deeper and it spans a range of genres and lots of other parts of the BBC have picked up on it, like BBC Sport, so it's become something that provides a learning lens across everything the BBC does online. And of course then Bitesize. Bitesize is the home for our formal education provision. Uh, massively successful for us across all four nations. 83% of secondary schools using it, around 65% of primary school students using it. So it's something that we're very proud of. So there are the three areas that we are focusing on. We've really tried to focus on why we're doing things and, and, and how we're going to do them in the future. And essentially, everything we're doing now is about, um, I think they should never give me a clicker, I skipped through it too quickly. It's about uniting those three areas under one key vision. And that vision, quite boldly, is to transform lives through education. Now that is a big statement and it really signals a bit of a step change for us at the BBC. I think in the past few years we've kind of pursued a, an education by stealth kind of strategy. It's almost like one of you guys mentioned it earlier. It's like you have to be the uh, sugar lump that helps the medicine go down a bit more. But we're really moving away from that. We are being much bolder about our desire to have genuine interventions, things that make tangible changes in people's lives, and really things that provide catalysts for letting their audience um, feel empowered to take control of things, to learn something new, and to perhaps change their circumstances. The Make a Digital project you saw a little bit of in the film is a really good example of that. It's a pan-UK initiative now, designed at inspiring digital creativity uh, in, in young people right across the UK. Alex was part of that, wasn't he? Because Cheryl also got behind uh, the Make It Digital initiative, commissioning brilliant programmes like Absolute Genius and Technobabble. Again, just trying to stimulate that sense of creating and creating with digital technology in ways that we hadn't seen before. Why are we doing it? There is a clear gap. There's a skills gap. There's a gap in society. It's not just the BBC who's worried about that. It really is something that a lot of people want to try to get together to try to fix so that the BBC can be a world leader in the technology field moving forwards. Now, you may have heard about this. It's called the microbit, and it's currently occupying every waking and what should be sleeping moment in many of our lives. It's actually being officially launched next week, so I'm under pain of death, and I can see out of the corner of my eye people from our comms team. I'm allowed to say very little. What I can say is it doesn't actually look anything like that now. That was the prototype that the DG showed off in March. But this is a small pocket-sized codable computer that we're going to give to one million children across the UK in year seven, or equivalent, in autumn. We have never attempted something of that kind of scale or ambition before, but we were so struck by the generations of people that we've spoken to, lots of whom work for the BBC, who said their lives genuinely changed at the time of the BBC Micro. So we wanted to find out what's the equivalent thing we can do now. Big, bold interventions. So big and so bold that there is absolutely no chance we would be able to do this on our own, and nor should we. 
This is a cast list of partners like no other. You can see where the sleepless nights are coming from now, I suspect. We're working with 28 different companies, but companies that all share that same ambition and objective, a desire to transform people's lives. And all of them are coming together to do this very amazing project because we all believe it can really have that transformative potential. So other than the microbit, what else is occupying our thoughts? We're interested in uh, what the DG said, because you have to be, but also because it's incredibly exciting. He's been talking very openly about the need to create a much more personal digital experience at the BBC for people to feel that they can own it. And we've been trying to work out what will that mean for us? How do we uh, take that personalization into a formal learning environment? How do we make that work alongside the exciting digital plans that our colleagues in BBC Children's have? Because our audience don't have separate lives. They have one life. Sometimes they want to learn. Sometimes they want to laugh. Sometimes they want to create and make and do. So that's something we're really thinking of at the minute. We're also thinking about that collaboration piece you saw with the microbit. What might that mean for BBC Bite Size moving forwards? What would Bite Size look and feel like if partner content or content from um, commercial providers sat alongside our own, content from institutions that have specialist expertise. What we are entering, I think, is a time of really big thinking around ways of working that never before could have been considered. So, in essence, this is the kind of strategy that we are working towards, but you can have a great strategy, you can have a great vision. It means nothing without amazing content. And we've been very privileged to work with a range of independent companies over the years on amazing content, both for TV and for online, and actually people helping us create content for our events that go right around the country every year. We need that to continue. So what we want, big ideas. For Bite Size, we want to continue finding content that really helps consolidate the learning that the curriculum provides, but we want it to be quirky, we want it to be irreverent. I love the tone that Bite Size has, it feels so different from the classroom environment. We need more of that. We're still making programmes for teachers to use, programmes with high production values, programmes that get debate going in the classroom and again really inspire our teachers to go even further with their thinking. We also want ideas for new features, new functionality. If we're going to work together on Bite Size as a platform, what could that look and feel like? Come to us with those ideas as well. Don't just wait for briefs. And we also just want to find more valued partners. We care deeply about education in the UK. We want the UK to remain a world leader in the field of education. We can't do that by ourselves. So if you want to join a conversation, please come and talk to us. Thanks. To Sinead, it's slightly more complex than you're not commissioning TV series, are you? Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a much, uh, you're commissioning content across different platforms and in different formats. So if producers want to familiarise themselves, I guess if they want to know what Kay and Cheryl are doing, you watch the channel, right? That's a, that's a given. With learning, what, what should you do if you want to kind of, you know, immerse yourself in that world and better understand what it is you're looking for? Well, we, we publish specific briefs when we need to, but we have ongoing conversations with people across industry. And because we're going through so many changes, we're also just having a lot of conversations. So we've got a really good team on Bite Size. Mark Elkins, one of our editors, is here today. So I think the thing is, just come and have a conversation with us because um, 
we want to have ideas from people that we've never even considered ourselves. So I think for us to enable that to happen, we have to be willing to have conversations throughout the year. And you are commissioning content. You are, so it's worth the indies speaking to you and getting that relationship going. Yes, absolutely. We have all year round commissioning, either for Bite Size or for what used to be Learning Zone, which now sits within Bite Size and, and other things. Sinead, how are you working with Kay and Cheryl? How does what Learning does kind of, you know, dovetail and, and mix with, with the CBBS and CBBC piece? It's difficult because they're terrible people, but. Um... <laughs> Okay, do you want to talk a bit about how we work together? Well, you talked about the fight we had the other day. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, I, mean, I have to say I mean, um, really uh, loved working with uh, the team in learning, and I do think collaboration is one of the things we're really good at in BBC Children's, and particularly in BBC North. Um, several shows on CBeebies wouldn't have seen the light of day had it not been for, for the support of... Uh, uh, BBC Learning, uh, Sinead and also Abigail Appleton, uh, shows like Magic Hands and Melody, which are shows that feature um, you know, children with... Uh, 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 Melody obviously features a, a child with uh, partial sight, so Anne Garrard is an amazing uh, performer. And then Magic Hands has brought poetry to the deaf audience. So, it, And also I think the, the thing that Learning help us do, because uh, they can help us get out and become more tangible and uh, amongst our audience. So Learning have supported us uh, when we did the Peter Pan pantomime at the Lowry. We had um, sailing ships, didn't we, on the canal. And it was, it was brilliant. Uh, you saw a little um, logo for Dish Up. So we've got a, a cooking event featuring the Furchester characters down in Western Supermare later <laughs> in the year. And, you know, it's, it's that partnership that works really, really well. Sorry, Cheryl, did you want to...? Pick up at all. I'm not talking to Sinead again. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, really, just to echo what, what Kay said earlier, I mean, we're, we're very lucky to have learning support and across shows, um, you know, like Art Ninja, where we want to um, promote creativity and, of course, Horrible Histories, which is uh, uh, one of our flagship shows and quite expensive to produce. So, kind of learning coming in on that and um, both parties benefiting from that relationship is fantastic. So when I start speaking to Sinead again, hopefully we'll be able to have more where that came from. And then Cheryl, Kay, how, how do you guys work together? Because there are, there are some co-commissions. Please don't say you hate each other again. Um, but there, there is, there, you're commissioning stuff together. What are, the, what are the best examples there? How does that work? Well, um, in, in a way, it's an experimental phase because we're aware that, that, that kind of... Um, funneling in a sense the the six-year-olds over to to cbbc and um encouraging that bridging activity between the channels is is something we've been thinking about for a while we've got a number of things going on um that are slightly different in nature so one which ken and i really really delighted with is little roy which is um obviously the mini version of our really fantastic jam produced um animation on cbbc so you'll be able to see little roy getting up to kind of hijinks in the nursery um and hopefully then we'll be able to direct the kids straight afterwards over to suitable big roy episodes um so so that's that's a nice brand extension in a way and then we've got a, a an origination um from kindle um called jamila and aladdin which is fantastic as well and um kay and i have split the commission so we've got 50 episodes each is that right um and again in terms of scheduling we'll be experimenting with what the best pattern is so perhaps starting on cbb's and then saying if you want to watch the next episode hop over to cbbc and the first one we did together was the second series of Katie Morrow. So. Okay. 
because it, there, there has been a uh, sense that the CBBC audience hasn't always migrated seamlessly to CBBC. So this is a, a tangible way of helping that to happen. Yes, it's, it's one of the ways. And another way is obviously online. Uh, we had a game called Fly High and Huggy, which you know, was, was aimed at moving the audience across as well. So we're looking at different ways of doing it um, across all platforms. Cheryl, we had to, uh, most people in the room will know this week that the, the decision for BBC Three to go online was provisionally approved. Mm. And as part of that, if you look at the Trust's um, findings and recommendations, one of the one of the things that was mooted was that there would be more there would be two extra hours for children's what's the opportunity how will that work can can you tell us what what it means from your perspective yes it's um it's exciting news i think for cbbc and we've already had a lot of um reaction from um the children's community about it um I think the first thing to say is, and, and Alice has underlined this in, in everything she's been saying over the past two days, we won't be getting any extra money to do, um, to make content for these extra two hours. So um, although, you know, you know me, I would dearly love to have a few extra million to do um, high-end drama and comedy shows, um, that's not going to happen. We're going to have to think very carefully about how we create existing content and existing ideas. Um, and. and that's the preferred route rather than perhaps robbing Peter to pay Paul and reducing content in other areas um, to pay for it. So, you know, there's a number of ways we could go. We could try and scoop up perhaps the CBB's audience and go quite young because we're aware that not all kids go to bed at seven o'clock. Um, as Alice has been talking about, we feel that there might be um, opportunities for more provision for the 12 to 15s, and that's something we'd like to think about. You know, some of our content like Wolf Blood. You know, the next step, SKU's a bit older, Nowhere Boys. So that's an opportunity. We've also been talking about um, the possibility of developing family films. And that's another way to go where you think you might attract family audiences to those extra two hours. But we'd be very keen to hear, I, I think, you know, what other people think as well. Because um, we've already had emails aplenty, people offering up, um, you know, very creative suggestions. So do get in touch and let us know your thoughts. Is, is there a sense, uh, just from reading what the trust was saying, that they were talking about the first hour being skewing slightly younger, the second one being old for kind of the stuff at the older, you know, the wolf blood type shows? Have you even kind of thought in that level of detail how that two hours might break down should this happen? We, we've had long sessions. I mean, when, when, when we put in the bid, as it were, to the trust, we obviously had long sessions talking about it, but nothing firm has been decided. And I think, um, especially with all the work that's going on around the big digital plan for children, we're getting insights and um, information from that that I think will influence our decision going forward. Because the, the thing you've got to add to that, of course, is um, you know, our content's available 24 hours a day anyway on iPlayer. So the thing that we've got to marry up is what do we want to do for the two extra hours with CBBC, what do you want to do with iPlayer, all of those all of those other elements. That's why it's you know particularly exciting at the moment. Um, Cheryl and Kay, we, I mean, we're really short on time and I'm mindful that we want to let people in the room ask some questions as well. And there's just so much to cover. Um, at the moment, what are, are there specific, in each case, for each channel, each service, specific commissioning needs? Are there, are there real types of shows that perhaps aren't being delivered uh, are, there, are there any gaps? Um, should we start, Cheryl, why don't we start with you? Um, 
I mentioned the My Life um, series, which is a, always a great opportunity for, for indies because we're doing 15 a year now. Those are half-hour documentaries. So um, please do watch the channel and have a look at the other, both the My Life shows and the brilliant news round specials that we do because they'll give you a real sense of the tone in terms of celebrating um, fantastically inspiring individuals. Um, and that's, I think, always going to be a key opportunity for indies. Um, I've mentioned this before because we're really well served, as some of you saw Dick and Dom yesterday, with our fantastic male entertainment duos. But um, ideas that revolve around female entertainment duos have been pretty thin on the ground, and that's something I'm interested in um, looking at, as well as, um, and I know this is um, a, a kind of uh, a difficult one, I think, but in terms of a long-running, um, relatively low-cost studio sitcom, where diversity, I think, would be key. I mean, diversity key is is key across the board anyway but i think that um that's an opportunity um one of the things that works really well on the channel as you know are um really passionate role models i'm thinking about people like chris and zand van tuliken who who present operation ouch for us and of course steve Batchel, who does deadly and you know, we take them for granted because they effortlessly enthuse and um, about their specialist subjects and inspire curious minds um, along the way. But it, it's really hard to find those people who can become kind of real tall poppies and, and inspiring figures for our audience. So um, looking around those in terms of factual and factual entertainment and trying to, to unearth those great people, I think, would be a priority too. And, and Kay, top top line, what what is it that um, you you guys need? I mean, I do think CBeebies now um, is really multi-genre. It isn't just preschool programming. It's, it covers all the genres now, and particularly, you know, now we've got drama in there as well. Um, so drama remains um, of interest. Like Cheryl, comedy, but, you know, funny women, please. More women in comedy. Um, experts with a passion. I think that's really, really important. And the example, Jess French in uh, Mini Beast Adventures with Jess. Jess was a zoologist and she really has got that passion and that knowledge. And I think the preschool audience do really value that. Um, music and, and, say, and, and dance, I think, is something that we could look at again. Um, we've never really replaced a show that was called Boogie Beebies, which was done a long time ago, but was incredibly popular. And I do think dance is something we can look at uh, on CBeebies. And then um, I mentioned radio, so we, we tend to put out specific briefs for radio, but obviously if people have ideas for radio, please come and talk to us. And I think the one thing I remain frustrated by is I do not yet have um, what I'd like to see in a, a diverse female lead in animation. I kind of find it very disappointing that since Doc McStuffin, I haven't really had anything stand out across my desk. Um, so I would like to see that, please. As well, which is really important, interactive, because um, as we've all been talking about, there are going to be opportunities both in short form, yeah. obviously with, with games um, and curated ideas um, online, um, and that, that could then go on to have a life in linear. Absolutely. If, if you all have a look at, at the moment, there's a really great curated um, uh, blob you might say, of um, content on, on the website, which is fantastic, called Animal-tastic, which is taking lots of really great animal clips, some which are funny, many which are informative, and just feeding that passion. You know, one of the things that we really want to um, promote in our interactive um, commissions is, is um, 
you know, our audience's passions, whether that's for animals, whether that's for football or for cooking. And I think short form is a really fantastic way of um, kind of approaching that. And, and also interactive drama. Um, you'll know that Dixie did incredibly well for the channel. We've got a new interactive drama coming down the line called Secret Life of Boys. And we had brilliant engagement with Dixie. Um, you know, 50% of the kids who found it then went on to consume 75% of all of the assets online, which is, I think, a fantastic figure. And they also posted over 7,000 individual posts online when they were commenting about it. So, you know, again, for the indie community, I think interactive drama is something that we really want to investigate and see how far we can push that. Is there a degree to which you're expecting TV quality digital content but a digital budget? Um, is, that, is that unfair? I, I think it's unfair. I think quality is key. We're experimenting. Um, to be fair, yes, the ones that the two shows we've commissioned at the moment have been quite high end. Um, but I do think that, given that we know as well, you know, on shows like you know whether it's Technobabble um, or what's our Mr. Bus, we're really promoting vloggers and, and new presenters as well. And of course, they're shot in a, a much kind of lower fi way, essentially. So I think we need to just experiment a bit more and see. So I don't think it's always going to be the high end drama budgets for interactive at all, but we want to we, we, we want to go where the kids are really and they 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 you know as long as the personality's there and the characters um, you know they'll they'll be engaged. Okay, can I say ask when you when you acquire or in fact I think more accurately pre buy because I think you would always be in early. Something uh, someone mentioned to me is that that you guys will require a lengthy licence, I think it's five years, whereas in other instances, in so much as they exist, I guess, uh, it's two years. H how is, th is, th is that the case? Is that, is that fair? And uh, what does that give the producer? I'm, uh, my experience is that that's what the producers want. They want you know, a, a five-year licence gives unlimited runs, which means that the show can be run on the channel for that time as often as we want, which actually helps them in terms of the profile of the show and then any licensing and merchandising they want to do off the back of it. So my, my reading of the situation is that that's what is wanted. If it's not, then tell us. I mean, okay. sometimes we renew a show for only two years because we can't renew everything. It's really, really hard. There's only certain space and certain amount of money. And presumably there are still international rights that can be exploited. Yeah. Okay, good stuff. I was just keen to, to clarify there. And then... I think we need to open up to the audience. We've only got a few minutes. Um, so please put your hand up if you've got a question and we can get a mic to you and see out there. Is that right? There's, there's one at the back. If you could just say where you're from when the mic comes to you, not, not geographically, like company. Hello, Mark Goodchild. I'm a digital producer. I do some stuff for CBBC, but I work outside with uh, other sectors as well. Um, it's great. Children's has always been championing the digital um, platforms that it has, and I think it does very well with its money. I think one of the things we hear a lot is, uh, we heard it in the last charter, uh, sorry, the last um, service license review was the trust was saying children's need to do more. It's the vanguard of digital, and yet the 10th page, it, it indicated a, a cut in spend for about a million on the editorial. Um, I'm not at all advocating that you rob Peter to pay Paul, so take it out of TV money to, to spend more in digital. But I think looking at the digital spend, there is a certain amount allocated for editorial, but there is very little being talked about within the wider BBC, this porous BBC, about where's the money to do the big ideas around um, 
personal BBC for children, which is a huge issue. And so, my, you know, I'm sure I speak for lots of the digital producers here. We'd like to see there being a bigger commitment to uh, infrastructure spend, which is specifically targeting kids, and also that not all going in-house. That could be done in, in yeah. uh, partnership with the indie sector. Yeah, um, Mark, I think... You know, totally understand that, and I think that is a very, very live conversation um, within the BBC, not just BBC Children's, because you'll know we've got BBC Digital, who are our, you know, they, they deliver a lot of our platforms, the guys behind the iPlayer and things like that. So we have a very strong connection and interaction with them. Um, you've already heard Sinead say the strong connection between learning and children's. And as I was saying in, in my talk up front, what you're describing is exactly the thing that we are trying to create as quickly and as simply as we can, uh, d dependent on the money that we get. But I think we all want to head to the same place. We need somewhere that is the single front door, digital front door for kids to come to the BBC and that they can then get across everything that we can offer to them. And we're very, very mindful that isn't just about content. It's got to be because that's what's going to engage them, but we need to make sure that we've got the, the boxes and wires underneath and the platform sorted out. And by the way, and to pick up on one of Sinead's points as well, platforms that are open to partners too. This isn't just about saying this is a closed shop. I'm very conscious that sometimes we can sit here, um, and especially when we put up our showreels and things, and compared with others, yes, we're doing a huge amount, and it can sometimes feel like we're a bit of a monolith here. Actually, we know that when we go outside of this conference, what we do, actually, it kind of disappears. It's a bit like water in the sand sometimes, and whilst it can feel big here, we know it's not for that big out in the outside world. So we want to be as open to partners as possible, technically open as well as open to ideas, so that we can maximise the effect we can all bring together. And, and things that you saw with the make it digital and using the convening power of the BBC to bring other partners to bear to do even bigger things, I think that's something we're really open to doing more of the future. We want to do that. If you've got ideas of how we can do that, please come and talk to us. I mean, it's interesting. There's obviously a real desire to experiment in digital uh, interactive drama, you know, some great examples already. However, the, the bottom line is there isn't more money. So what does that mean for producers, does it mean that effectively they will get a smaller proportion of funding up front or there will be a smaller number of projects commissioned? What's, what's the tangible effect? Because through no fault of your own, and you, know, you do lots of fantastic stuff, but you, you're having to do more for less. It's an interesting one, and, and I was going to point this out just because of Mark's comment about robbing Peter to pay Paul. I think we do do a lot. I mean, certainly I'm just talking about CBBC in a sense. In terms of the number of brands that we have and the, the huge choice and the range that we give the audience, because in a very ferocious and turbulent you know, uh, media environment for kids now, I think it would behove us anyway to, to, in a sense, make more emphatic use of some of our key brands. One of the things we want to do is, is put a little bit more money to fewer of those. So if we want to represent them, whether that's on iPlayer, whether that's on YouTube, whether that's in, in with the apps, with games, um, obviously we're going to need to take that money from somewhere. And I, to some degree, although it's not great news for the production community, I think we can serve some of those big brands better and make more noise about them because we know the kids love them and sometimes I sort of think, you know, we're, we're slightly invisible. So 
Um, I'm not sure that's a, a bad thing. We want to, to make sure that, that the great content that all of you guys make really um, emphatically makes a, a, a dent in the market, I think. Um, so that, that will mean perhaps um, slightly fewer commissions, slightly fewer titles. Um, we're, we're really out of time, so if you've got any other questions, I'd get a hand up quickly. And we'll be outside anyway. Okay. Well, Alice uh, has said you can speak to her and the team after the session. Can I just um, say that, that, yeah, all the commissioning team, that, that's um, Melissa, Mario, um, Scott, who you've heard a lot about, and Claire, I think, is here, and James Bridgman, will all be over the, the, the road, or on this side of the road, in the workstation, on the mezzanine floor. And they're very happy to stay there for half an hour or so if you want to go and ask them specific things about um, genres. I think um, those sessions, that's after lunch, isn't it? And it's a first come, first served. Yeah. So you can go and meet, meet those people. Yeah. Uh, okay, one, one very last, I think, Alice, let's bring it back to you to come full circle. It's obviously a very you know, a challenging period. You've come in, um, and, and yet there's a lot of great stuff happening as well. Given the, the wider demands on the BBC, given where children's is at, is, is it still the place that will produce the next generation of shows that are going to be talked about for generations to come? Has it still got that creative drive? Can it still do all of these things whilst being spread very, very thin? Um, that is absolutely our intention. Absolutely. I want us to be here, you know, in years to come, just talking about shows that were born in 2015 and how could we ever live without them and they are part of the fabric of this society so yeah that's absolutely our intention we are as inventive and as tenacious as everybody out here in the industry and we're not going to stop doing that stuff um please join me in saying thank you very much to Sinead to Kay to Gerald and to Alice